Latest news update at four minutes past seven. Tip FM's Extra Time with Ronan Quirk. Brought to you by your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance. OREA Owen Dylan Nina, OREA Stokes and Quirk Clan Mel, and OREA Seamus Brown Ross Cray. See realestatealliance.ie. Hello, good evening and welcome to another edition of Extra Time. My name is Ronan Quirk. We're here until 8 o'clock this evening. We'd love to hear from you. Our text number is open to you now. It's 083 311 Lots to talk about, despite the fact that we're in early January, cold early January. But lots to talk about with events in Farrer Field, perhaps taking centre stage tonight. But we do have lots of other sports to talk about. Geraldine Canan will be on to talk camogie to us before we go off air this evening. And we'll have Barry Ryan in, uh, on the air as well to talk about a lot of local soccer, and particularly uh, that Munster Junior Cup draw that was play- made earlier on today, for which there is huge temporary interest. Uh, but let's start with events in Farrerfield yesterday. Uh, it finished in the Co-op Superstores Munster Hurling League. Waterford 122, Tipperary 120. After the match, Liam Cal caught up with uh, Paul Ca- Paul Carroll, I should say, caught up with Liam Cal and uh, got the Tipperary manager's reaction. Yeah, Paul, you'd be always disappointed when you didn't win the game, but... Um Delighted with the character we showed in the second half, in fairness, and uh, you know, probably give ourselves a chance or two there near the end to, to get something out of the match. But look, all in all, a, a really good workout, and um, you know, very happy with it. Yeah, and the, I suppose the team had uh, lots of different changes uh, on it, and uh, a lot of lads probably given a given a chance here today to impress um, anyone that kind of particularly caught your eye after after that game. I look, I thought. I thought it was um, it was always going to be a tough day for for, for guys that had started. Um, they're all you know with a, quite a number of new new players to the not just to the to the panel, but to, you know their first year in, I suppose. And they really um, it was really a tough assignment coming down here to to Fraher Field to take on Watering Waterford's maybe six seven fellas that had championship experience in their starting fifteen and. Um, you know, so it, it, was, it, was a, it was a good workout for for them for them players that, that started today. Um, you know, any you don't want to be picking out any one individual in, in, in particular or anything like that. I thought there was there was a number of players that I suppose put their hand up today to show that that they have something to offer our overall squad, and that was the whole objective of today is to to make sure that that we get positives out of it and that we have. Uh, you know, a lot of bolt-on players to uh, strengthen our squad as the, as the Munster Championship will be coming. Uh, we know that we need a, to be able to rotate our squad well during that intense period when it comes around uh, in, in the summer. Uh, as the kind of, I suppose, looking at the game itself, uh, the red card for, for Robert Byrne in the first half probably made things very difficult for, for you. What was kind of the, the plan in the second half to kind of quell that? Because it, whatever it was obviously worked as we kind of got back into that game. Yeah, well, look, uh, it's, it's always that bit more difficult when you when you um, when you go down to 14, whatever chance you have with 15, you know, it just it's it's, it's tough going. Um, you know, it was a 50-50 decision, really. In my eyes, like I know, uh, Robert was committed to the pull, and the the Waterford guy slipped in and kind of slipped the ball away as as the hurley was gone back, and and uh, you know, there was contact, so probably no, you know, no real. Argument with the with the with the uh, with the colour of the card, I suppose there was contact made, but I don't think there was any great intent. To be fair to, to Robert Byrne, um, in, in in that instance inc- incident today, but um, look, uh, 
you know, uh, what, was, what was the question again? What did you say to me? Just about the, the reaction to that red card and how the oh, lads kind yeah. of bounce back in the yeah, second half. Yeah, so the second half, like, um, you know, we, we looked at... at you know, up in our work rate, especially up front, when we when we when we kind of stepped everything back because it, it was a case of having to when when you're down to 14 and that if if what we were working the ball out that we that we try our best to, to, to make ourselves as big and, and as busy as possible to break that ball down and I think in the second half when we when we did that and rushed rushed Waterford into hitting the ball long we seemed to be able to deal with it quite well and, and we got good good uh, good gains from it in the second half. But Liam, how were your your thoughts on the Michael Kiley incident just before half time? Yeah, look, I think the referee got that right as well. Um, you know, it was a free, and, and, and uh, you know, from where I was standing, the hurley came back, and there was contact made with the with with, with Mikey Breen. Um, you know, again, how you know, it's it's opinion, I suppose. But like, if there was contact made and there was a strike in action, it probably it probably warranted a, a little bit stronger. But um, you know, the referee did did what was right. He consulted his umpires and 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 and. and um, distributed a yellow card so look I almost remember as well I suppose you know to be fair this is a pre-season competition for players and you know the referee today um, I suppose was his first first step up into inter-county senior hurling as well so we have to be fair there in that regard you know everybody is starting out at the start of a new year um, you know I'm sure uh, Simon uh, can't think of himself Simon Stokes. Stokes, Stokes today in fairness is, is, is coming into the inter-county scene stepping up 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 as well into 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 proper inter-county hurling and uh, he needs he needs time just like players do to adjust to to the, to the, um, the workings of inter-county hurling and, and he'll lead matches uh, as, as much as the players well, that's uh, Liam Cal speaking to the assembled media at Fraher Field yesterday after that two-point defeat at the hands of Waterford on Tip FM's analysis duty was Ken Hogan who joins me on the line. How are you, Ken? How are you keeping? Happy Good. New Year to you. And many Ryan. happy returns, Ken. Thanks indeed for joining us this evening. Uh, I don't know if you heard the latter part of Liam's uh, interview there, but I thought he was extremely fair to the referee. He made two very valid points. He said, this is the, fre- the referee's first step up into inter-county, so don't expect too much of him. And secondly... That referee needs games as well as players, which I it's it's I think it's gratifying and heartening to hear managers kind of cut a bit of slack to somebody who's cutting their teeth at inter county level. Yeah, we sit here in the year to be anyway. Uh, I suppose casting aspersions on officials or anything like that. I think uh, Liam rightly articulated the situation that that occurred yesterday. In the fact that he did consult his officials, he did consult his umpires, and um, he came up with the decision to give Michael Kiley a yellow. Um, the Robert Byrne thing was fairly clear-cut in the fact that it was a red. Uh, it was a sort of a dangerous stroke, so unfortunately that that situation happened, and Tip played, uh, obviously, 45 minutes with 14 men. Yeah, I, I mean, you could obviously pinpoint that red card as being problematic throughout the course of the game but what was heartening perhaps was the response to going nine points down and I think even leading by a point coming down the stretch not being able to see it out that's another we'll come back to that in a minute but as you drove back home from Fraher Field yesterday was that your overriding uh, take home from that match in, in, in Dungarvan? Um, my overriding uh, I suppose feeling about the match considering it was a pre-season game uh, the first week in January was that it was well worth while 
Um, I was surprised at the amount of Tipperary people that were at the game, by the way. Uh, big Tipperary contingent there. Um, I felt that team and his management team uh, used their subs very well. We keep talking about the squad, the team, strength, team depth. I think that became apparent yesterday with the deduction of a number of substitutions. Uh, we know some of them who played already last year, Brian O'Mara's of this world, Brian McGrath. But then we had Sean Kennelly who came in and made a very big impression. Darius Stakelham came in and made a great impression. So from that perspective, Billy Seymour arrived at the scene. And I think Billy Seymour, Sean Hayes and co have a lot to contribute. But I suppose the big bonus for Tip was Sean Ryan, who probably, you know, the ball didn't run his way last year. He played very well in a couple of rounds of the championship. The place at halftime in Cork. Absolutely outstanding, you know, in every facet of his game. And he was the guy actually, you know, with 14 men started coming out uh, the fields, Henry Sheffield like, and it started dictating the, the run of things. And that's that's great responsibility from a player like him, a young player like him to do. But overall, I felt the introduction of Colin Quinn, who scored a wonderful point as well from Castle. And of course, um, all the guys that got, got in there, Barry Heffernan returning you know, after a two-year absence, you know, and went at it. So I think the overriding feeling was this was well worthwhile. Tip came really back into the game, stormed back into the game, unlucky to get a result, you know, had a few wides at vital times. And I think, you know, uh, when we talk about players coming through, I think they're working hard, you know, in that, in that facet, you know, of, the, of their thinking. You know, uh, some players who were kind of called a short half-time Mightn't have been wild about that because you you work hard all pre-season to get a jersey for the first game of the year. You know that the eyes of the management team are on you and you want to try and impress. And 35 minutes isn't a long time to come up to speed of, at inter-county level. But I'd imagine there's a Kerry match to come, which is a bit of a dead rubber because we can't qualify for the for the final of this Munster League. But it's an opportunity for some of those fellas who didn't get 60, 70 minutes yesterday to get more game time. And there's probably other lads on the fringes who are chomping at the bit to get that jersey. Yeah, well, by all accounts, and just looking at the Watford Kerry games, it was very competitive for a long time for 55 minutes. It was very competitive and, and was pretty uh, on edge stuff as well. Uh, I think this Kerry team will bring a sort of a physical dimension to the game, particularly, you know, in the tight confines of Nina, Rowan. Um, I, when you think about players, you know, you, you see it in other sports where teams go down 14 men, and unfortunately, the striker is replaced, you know, and I suppose the same thing happens to poor old. Mikey O'Shea yesterday in the fact that he got an excellent point in the first half, but he was replaced for the second half. And Mikey would get another opportunity. Andrew Ormond, very good in possession, is very dangerous with the ball. Um, but I suppose Connor Bowett left half back was a revelation as well. Absolutely excellent right through the game. Would, He's a natural backman. I was going to say, would you, would, yeah. you, would you have, I, I, I don't remember him playing the backs before, but you might have seen him with his club yeah with Mike Tiberdui he played at 6 this year with, six, with Mike Tiberdui right. played very well um, I think you know five, six, seven, eight, nine could be a position that he he might stake a claim for you know he was excellent Mikey Breen was absolutely excellent and we mentioned we you know we suffered I suppose a couple of years ago in the fact that Aaron Gillan left back to Hurley you know a very mean stroke on Cahill Barrett if you remember I remember it well and 
Yeah, and we also suffered, in fairness to Mikey Breen, what an honest hurler, like, um, he got some slap on the ribs from, and it was, let's face it, I would have no hesitation saying this was a red, but in fairness to the, to the referee, he consulted with everybody, and uh, he, he, he was probably on his blind side, so in fairness, he did his job. But I think Mikey Breen, a hugely honest hurler, didn't go down looking for any any uh, adaptation or anything like that, just went on his job, but had an excellent game. And that's a bonus for us, the fact that that full-back position now seems to be nailed down by Mikey. Yeah, it um, is a bonus. Hugely athletic, huge, uh, a good leader, and above all, you know, a good head for the job at full-back. And it, it takes a special a special man to play there, you know. Uh, and Barry Hogan as well pulled off a couple of good saves, but we know what Barry's able capable of as well. Yeah, well, I mean, in fairness, the, the, in fairness, the last save, maybe with a quarter of an hour to go, uh, when Christian. when they tried to pull away, and I'm sure the Connor Ford was like he sidestepped Barry, thinking he had done the hard work, but a a, a brilliant intervention, you know, Nicky Quaid like by by Barry, uh, to keep the game in the melting pot. So overall, like on a cold day, Barry can be very very happy with his performance between the sticks. Yeah, indeed. Uh, there was one or two blows for for hand passes, and it's a perennial discussion. And I'm only bringing it up because you know Connor Donovan well. You hurled with him, and you hurled. He was in front of you for a number of years, and you know the crusade he's on and how passionate he is about it. Is it from what you saw yesterday? Do you think that there is a, even more diktat coming from Co Park to try and be seen to try and do something about it, or is it a lost cause in its current wording? Well, I think Connor is making strides with it. Obviously, it's gone through as a recommendation, as a motion to Congress from Tipperary. So, Connor. Connor has worked hard on this issue. Now, there is, and I'll be straight about it, I would have had this debate with Connor because I have huge respect for him, but there is there is obviously a debate. It was trialed at Frischer's hurling, and uh, people will have mixed views on how it worked out. Um, I think all was at the start of the year, Ronan, uh, referees clamped down on technical fouls like hand passing, uh, flicks of the hurley hand the backs will be a little bit stricter than usual at the start of the year and then out the game obviously the year moves on uh, t- t- people tend to forget it I would be a huge fan still of the modern day game I think it's brilliant I think our club championship has shown that I think our county, inter-county the standard of hurling compared to when I was playing you know is miles apart and I would uh, I would be sitting on the on, <laughs> I suppose sitting there uh, saying, well, come up with a better option than what we already have, you know. I obviously never played the game anywhere near at a level like you, so I'm very much on the hind foot here, but I will disagree with you in relation to what you've just said, that the game, you say, is better now than it was when you played it. Well, myself and yourself might have to stick it, get out the a video of the 1991 (laughs) Munster final, and I will dissuade you of your opinion by watching that match again. Yeah, like I mean, the different strokes for different folks, but I just, um, I just think, uh, particularly at club level, I'd agree with you at club I'm, level. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a great, I'm a great, you know, fan of the situation where the club scene is getting its, its uh, a piece of cake. Now, I, I would be hugely impressed with with the club fair and what it has to contribute overall in every county in the country. But I am open. I'm I'm open to a better option, Ron. Always, and Connor is trying to and endeavouring to, to to get that option. Mm. But I, I I still think it's a work in progress and will take time. 
uh, to solve. Can I just ask you a general question about yesterday as well, and that's some decision-making and shot selections. I know it's early in the season, not wishing to be negative or take any negativity from something that there was more positives than negatives about. But it is something that I think Mikey Beavens and Liam will be looking at and sort of having a word with players about... To- you know, there was one instance, I think, when... I don't know, maybe Alan Tynan took a shot and Sean Kennelly was in a better position inside. It's, of course, it's fierce easy from where I was now to, to see that. But there is something that could be worked on there, wides and, and shot selections. Without a doubt. And Alan took that shot. The minute he took it, he knew straight away himself, to be fair to him. And Alan... He's a driving force at midfield too. This I'm great not wishing to Alan pick him out now. Going, just, it's, it it just gives an example of it, what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, he's going to have a huge contribution to, to this team this year. You know, he's a breath of fresh air actually to the scene. But I would uh, agree with you. But also you have to take into account that Mikey Beavins, uh, Liam Cal, and of course even Declan Laffin, all top class forwards in their own day, will be working on that one, will be conscious of making the right decisions. And that's what I like just about Kennelly and Dara Stakelam, um, they were very smart with the ball, very smart with the ball, very cute. And these are guys for the future. They're getting stronger. Craig Morgan looks so strong. And I, I, I have to mention as well, uh, Danny Slattery at cornerback for Tenorti, ex- absolutely excellent as well uh, from, from that point of view. You know, he played very well and really went at the game uh, for, for, for a guy who's so young. So, so there is, there is optimism there, uh, um, Roland, okay. for the future. And how hard can it be for a fella like Slattery, uh, like Kennelly, like, you know, Sean Hayes, Billy Seymour, to translate that club form into inter-county? Because, you know, it's a very different gravy, even though we haven't even got to inter-county pace yet. Well, you see, it's all about options. What I like to see in a player is taking the game by the scruff of the neck, not hiding you know, if if obviously when you're you're you know, um, experience will tell you that you know whether it's Carl Barrett or Johnny Lahey or Declan Ryan, usually their first or second years on a team, and even John McGrath and Ronan Maher, is their best years, and we we've got with So I like to see a guy coming into a team, taking the game by the scruff of the neck, taking responsibility, not standing back and saying I'll leave it to the more experienced players, or I won't take that chance and. And uh, young Slattery took that chance. Cahill Quinn of Cashel took that opportunity when he got in for the injured Craig Morgan. Went at everything, took that opportunity to go to the ball, didn't stand back and hide. And that's a great trait in a player. And I think that's, that's, that's a good thing for the future. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, uh, good talking to you again. Good talking about hurling. It seems like we've only just finished talking about hurling and the season has wound around again. Ken, where would we be only for it? And I look forward to... Uh, that 1991 replay one of these days. So listen, take, <laughs> <laughs> take care of yourself. Great talk to you. All right. Morning. Thanks Anytime. indeed, Ken. Bye Thanks bye. indeed. Bye bye. Uh, that's an interesting discussion, I think, that perhaps we should get some of your views on. Ken believes the game is better now than it was when he played it. I don't know. I mean, what was your, like, there's so many great days watching tape and maybe you get clouded in, 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 in the emotion of the thing and when the crowd is up and the place is full. But like Tip Wexford in 19 was a great game of hurling. The drawn match between Tip and Kilkenny in 14 that was a great game of hurling and then you go back to the 90s I mean blame, blame, the uh, you know that Munster final replay 91 in Thurless even the 87 Munster final in Killarney maybe there was more excitement there than actual great quality I don't know see what you think 083 311 3 I'm delighted to be joined by Fergal MacDonald of JK Brackens who's the new 
County Football Chairman. He's on line three. How are you, Fergal? Good, Ronan. How are yourself? I'm well. Uh, firstly, congratulations on your elevation to high office and uh, taking over from Connor, who uh, who filled that role with distinction over the last number of years. Um, it's a changing environment for Tip Football. We have a new manager and a couple of old... St- no, I don't, shouldn't say old stalwarts. A couple of stalwarts have moved on. Uh, I'm thinking of Liam McGrath, who's called it time on his inter-county career. Um, Kevin Fahey. Uh, I know Michael O'Reilly will be back. He's gone travelling. And Coleman Kennedy, who gave us so much joy in 2011. Um, and Liam, of course, captain in 2011. It just seems like a bit of an end of an era from that 2011 team. There's only a couple of them left. Yeah, there's, uh, to be honest, there's not too many left. Um, the only one I can tick off off the top of my head at the moment is uh, Evan Comerford, who was great that he returned back this year to yeah. in between the goals that for tip this year. So it's good to see Evan back. Yeah, from that 2011 team, there's not too many left now at at, at this stage. No. Um, we went to Kerry and played in Tralee in the McGrath Cup and it was a kind of a statement of intent from Kerry when you see what they, they did to us, 19 points and I think what they beat uh, Limerick by a, a bit of a cricket score as well. Yes, they six eighteen to eleven points. Yeah, uh, so they're obviously taking that seriously. But it does give some of the younger fellas, and it wasn't a bad team that we went out. I think against Kerry, but it gives them a chance to sort of pit themselves against one of the top three sides in the country. Yeah, look, n- no better way to start the year off than be, uh, playing the final, some of the All Ireland final last year. Um, yeah, going down to Kerry is always going to be daunting task on the best of days. But yeah, there was a number of new players that got their chance, and, and, and to be quite honest, they thought they acquitted themselves quite well, and they really put their hands up for looking to get a, in, into this squad for the coming league. Which is exactly what Paul wants. You know, Paul Kelly wants is he wants fellas to make it, give him selection headaches because the league is so important to us this year. Because if I ask, and I'll, in time when I do sit down with Paul Kelly, I'll ask him this: what his objectives for the year are. But you know, surely getting out of Division Four has to be high on on the list of priorities. I think so. Yeah, really hope now we push on and try and get out of Division Four and 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 start to compete again. Um, at, at, at the later stage of the championship as well, yeah. But I think I think the priority is probably put in a good performance in Division Four and, and hopefully get promoted over. It ain't easy. I, I don't know if you saw London's result against Mayo yesterday. No, no, de- definitely not. And 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 Wexford are in our own group or and they're they're going well in the the Bourne Cup as well. So no, there's no such thing as an easy game at, a, at any of the divisions. Um, so you know they they really have to focus in on on, on every game that's coming up. So you know, but. Things are positive and things are seen to be moving in the right direction. So, yeah, t- touch wood that that's, and that trend continues and everybody seems to be buying into what Paul Kelly wants to do. I hear great reports of the strength and conditioning that's going on at the moment, which is such an important part of your season. It, that block of work gets done at this time of the year. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think we were very blessed and uh, I take the hats off to Connor for getting uh, Adrian O'Brien to come in as the SNC for Tip Footballers for the year. Um, Adrian has a huge um, experience previous with Limerick and Clare so he, he, that experience you can see is after coming in and I really think the players are after buying into him as well Yeah, Listen, I wish you well for your term of office I hope you have a hugely successful one and maybe the success will be measured by how many times you appear in this show so let's hope you're talking a lot over the course of the next 12, 14, 18 months whatever it is Fergal thanks indeed for your time Thanks, Ron. Thanks Take very care much. care and thanks, mind yourself. Uh, Fergal MacDonald, New County Board Football Chairman uh, on Tip Kerry and also looking ahead to the year ahead uh, for Tip Football. Um, we will take a very quick break and back in a sec. 
Extra Time on Tip FM. Brought to you by your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance. OREA Owen Dylan Nina, OREA Stokes and Quirk Clan Mel, and OREA Seamus Brown Ross Cray. Realestatealliance.ie. Well, let's reflect more on the weekend sporting action. Tom McGrath joins me. Good evening to you, Tom. Hello, Ronan. Um, let's start with sort of an off topics discussion before we talk about events in our field and uh, the split season is something that I, I, I think you feel that the media nationally have a, a perhaps an agenda that is being pushed and that voice is getting heard a little bit more loudly than say the voices of players, coaches and the people who probably matter most Yeah I suppose there's a good bit of uh, stuff today about uh, pretty um, weather conditions yesterday weren't exactly conducive to the matches. Torless, you had frost on and two thirds of the field, but the match got played and there was no problems overhead. But Nori was somewhat different, I suppose. But was it any better or any worse conditions than the Munster final was played in a couple of, a few weeks ago as well? Like I mean, you had incessant rain and wind and all that type of stuff. So, but there seems to be a, an agenda out there to. Uh, unsplit the season <laughs> which which is which I think would be poor for the clubs well it, it's it, i think we've we're we're well embedded in the in the season as it is at the moment in terms of splitting intercounty and club and there's only so many matches that there's only so many weekends in the year that we can play our amateur game in and amateur games by definition tend to have to be played at weekends and therefore aren't we lucky that we have 52 weeks to fill with games and therefore you're never going to be guaranteed perfect weather because we are a small island in the North Atlantic? Well, true, like you're, you're at the vagaries of the weather. I mean, there was racing in AS yesterday and they decided after the first race to, to abandon and everybody went home. But the G-30s must have decided you can't do that in Nori because people have travelled. But people have travelled to Nace and had a lot of expense as well. Like, But... But the, the the thing seems to be like that if you could pull it back a small bit, you should be able to get the club championship finished within the calendar year. You're is, there, ex- is there a need for two weeks or even a third week between some of the stages in the in the early rounds of the club championships? I, I don't think anyone would advocate going back to St Patrick's Day. And your own experiences in Lockmore when you got to a Munster, when you got to an All Ireland, uh, you know you were in, you won the Munster title, but you had a long wait then to play an All Ireland semi. Yeah, like they won the Munster, the Munster Club the first Sunday in in December or seven, and didn't play the All Ireland semi final eleven weeks later. The costs were astronomical for for a small club. I happened to treasure its time, like, and it was not um, an easy an easy job to, to to get all the expenses covered because you don't get any grants or anything for those type of games. And you had the, then the dangers and the risks of players travelling from all over the country to get to get back for training and all sorts of disruption. So that's the, it's not as bad. It's it's an improvement in what it was. But but the the thing that was being advocated in the press today, that's not the solution. And I'd be afraid fear that that's the way they could be trying to go again. Is it just that there are certain journalists peddling a certain agenda? Because I would have feel that if you talk to intercounty managers, <coughs> you know they might feel that maybe if you extend the intercounty by a week or two, that's probably the optimum. Um, and if you'd certainly talk to club players, I think everyone loves the split season. With a lot of those, a lot of those people. It's amazing the way they change their spots when when they change to which side of the desk that they're sitting at. That uh, you're, they, they seem to have the agenda. To, to suit their own particular situation at any given time, like 
so would it be reality has to come into it like that you you have to you have to be fair to the players as well but there's also the the the, the club administration and all that that they have they have all that things to cover as well like so i can understand the the reality the, the problems associated with with abandoning that match in um in Nuri yesterday maybe that's what should have been done because I don't think it was fair on anybody for a finish like Yeah but sometimes television makes it out to be worse than it actually was at pitch side level I would imagine if the referee felt it was unplayable he would have called it A fair comment of course yeah that there were stages yesterday that when you when you saw the shot from behind the goal it, it wasn't Correct. near as bad and like I'm sure that if there was difficulties in, in, in seeing the ball from maybe inside 40 metres it would have been drawn to the official's attention pretty rapid so I, I think that the television situation might have made it, made it worse than it really was Like, but it still wasn't good though No it didn't look great and I suppose people sat down to enjoy it and uh, I think I saw Shane Bofi calling for orange footballs to be introduced in Newry it would have certainly made life a little easier for the spectator at home and maybe even the spectator on the ground but the elevated element of the, the camera position may well have made that situation look worse than it actually was. Um, yeah. Although I see, the, see the, the Mayo and um, London lads were playing with red football and they were playing indoors. <laughs> okay, against the white ceiling, I suppose, or white roof. Yes. So maybe, maybe they should have put a stripe of green on it for the Mayo lads as well. Because Perhaps. That's a big, a big, a big shock with London beating them. Like, but London are putting an effort into their league now and Tipperary have to be warned for that now as well. They'll be facing them in a few weeks' time. Yeah, that's if that's not a warning shot across our bows, then I don't know what is. Let's just talk about those, you know, this January games in general. Then, you know, I mean, when Tipperary were going down to Farfield yesterday, I was indifferent about whether we won or lost. All that mattered to me was whether or not we saw a couple of fellas put their hand up. That was the only thing to be served by yesterday's game. Yeah, I think so. That, that you, what you have is you'll still play Kerry next week, another trial game, and the difference between losing and winning yesterday was that you won't be getting another serious challenge before the league but but you have enough of the challenge I think facing, facing in Dublin is the first match I think and we're well warned that there's, there's work to be done and a job has to be done in, 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 in Dublin that weekend as well like. And if you take our footballers who went to Tralee during the week and lost I think by 19 points um, that that's that, that was a statement by Kerry but Kerry then went and played Limerick yesterday and beat them by 6-18 to 11 points so clearly the Kerry lads are taking this competition a little bit more seriously perhaps than some of their Munster cousins Well I suppose realistically when any fellow from Kerry is handed a Kerry jersey at inter-county level he wants to make a statement to management and I think it shouldn't be any different and I'm not sure it's any different, different in, in Tiberi when lads are handed a jersey that they'll be putting their best foot forward trying to impress management as well like yeah did you see anything in Fraherfield yesterday uh, that you know warmed the, the cold December day for you well I suppose to be fair uh, Sean Ryan was there thereabouts for the last few years he was he was a standout guy probably from, from what, we, what could be seen yesterday um, probably got a bit disjointed the fact that you had to you had to hurl with 14 for nearly 50 minutes that makes that makes it awkward too, but I think there was the work ethic. The work ethic was good, and I suppose the difference nowadays is that you have to change your tactics when you're when you're down to 14. And there was a bit of sacrifice to be done with a player or two as well to get a better shape to your team. Yeah, um, 
I, I, what impressed me was the response to being nine points down. That in itself was a, almost like a, a subplot to what happened yesterday. I thought. Well, that's the that's the, that's the work ethic, and and that was that was the big challenge, and the response to that challenge. You know, it's it's how a team responds when when they're they're faced with adversity. And you're nine points down, a man down, and away from home. It's easy shut up shop, but great great pride, I think. And I think that's the big thing that Liam Cannon, the vice, will bring out will bring out of yesterday. That there was pride, work, and a bit of. Um, Method, method about the way it was done as well. It wasn't just a fluky way that you got back into it or anything like that. They, they, changed their, they changed their play, got their thing, got thing back, and it's something to work on for the next day. Yeah, and fellas got game time as well. I'm thinking particularly of Barry Heffernan, somebody who's, uh, you know, he's lost a year of his inter-county career through injury. No, it's great to see great to see him back because he he suffered with uh, concussion issues there for a couple of years and that that put a put a major break on his uh, on his intercounty prospects. So no, he's he's an asset, huge huge big strong man and mature mature in age now as well as everything else. So plenty of experience. So he's he's a decided asset to have. Like, and I suppose the Kerry game is another opportunity to field perhaps an entirely different fifteen to start, just again to see what how your 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 panel is performing or how your panel is developing before you announce your league. Yeah, panel. because uh, like it's Kerry. We had to touch on the Kerry game last week. Like, but no, this is a game that I think that's want to win it, make a statement, and get get ready get ready for the double match then because the league the league is important. But it's it's how fellas apply themselves, and I think the big thing from yesterday is that lads applied themselves in a very purposeful way, given the situation they found themselves in. It was, it was a lot a lot of good came out of it, I think. Yeah, indeed, Tom. Look, I got to fly, but thanks for your time tonight. Yeah, you're welcome, Roland. The Tip FM Sports Star of the Month with the Talbot Hotel Clonmel, multi-award winning wedding specialists with state-of-the-art leisure facilities and spa with food served daily. The Tip FM Sports Star of the Month. Get your nominations in now. Extra Time on Tip FM. Brought to you by your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance. OREA Own Dylan Nina. OREA Stokes and Quirk Clan Mel. And OREA Seamus Brown Ross Cray. See Uh Let's turn our attention to Camogie now because uh, Geraldine Canan's on the line. Hi, Ger. How you doing, Ronan? Uh, interesting times because two Tipperary schools will meet in this year's Munster Senior A Schools final. Uh, Ursuline Turnus will meet Prez Thurlis in Saturday's final, following semi-final wins for both schools this afternoon. Yeah, unbelievable to have two Tipperary schools in the Senior A final. I suppose the equivalent to the, the famous Harty Cup final that we all know and well. Um, we had two schools last year as well. We had Ursuline Thurlis be catching in the final. And to have two again in a month's final is just fantastic and credit to both schools. Uh, they won their quarterfinals before Christmas and they're back today, first day of school and straight into a semi-final. So Ursuline Thurlis had a 112 to 16 win against Coachford and um, of Cork and that was down in Cork so a great win for them having to go down to Cork. And then presentation Thurlis and Ennis, uh, Klosh Ennis went to extra time. It was a draw at full time, nine points to 16, a low scoring game. And then it finished after extra time, one ten to one eight, with uh, Flanagan getting the crucial goal there for Prez Turles in, in extra time, which made all the difference. You know, you think about two schools from the same town, and you think there might be a bit of familiarity, but I'm not so sure how often they'd meet, other than in the latter stages of these kinds of competitions. 
yeah, I suppose the familiarity would be, I suppose, more at a club stage. Um, you know, there's so many. It's really intriguing. You're looking down through the teams and you, there's McCarthy Burris girls on both sides. There's Curtis Arthur's girls on both sides. And there's a lot of names people would be familiar. Even just before Christmas, we had a McCarthy Burris in the minor county final, minor A. And if you like the body of the wire, Kate and Kira Shelley, Kate Raz, all of the presentation Tardis team, the likes of Sarah Corcoran, uh, Alicia Kearney and the, uh, on, on the Earthline Tardis team, uh, also for, for presentation, you have the likes of uh, Leanna Coppinger, she had a great game today for, from Tardis Sarfield. And then for, for Earthline, you have uh, Queeva Stakes and Lucy Parsons, big names there on the Earthline team. And I suppose them girls all won a uh, minor county final as well at the end of this year. Um, you know, it, and then you have Danielle Ryan, Paula Quirk from Borlan on the Earthline Tardis team. And they, they know each other really well, I suppose, from playing against each other at club level, um, playing together with, with county teams. You have a lot of girls there with tip minor, tip under 16 experience. And then they would know each other, I suppose, in schools games as well. And um, I suppose Earthline, I've probably had the, the upper hand maybe in the last couple of years. They're the current Munster champions. They won a, a Junior A uh, Munster final there as well. Basically, because they you know, were competing in B. They won the, I think, the Junior B. But this is a really good presentation Turles team as well. And, um, you know, it's two best teams in Munster and they're going to come together uh, this Saturday. Two fine sporting T- schools as well I mean Ursuline are well known for hockey circles as well as their camogie well Prez I think have a tradition of basketball in addition to their camogie as well so it just shows the sporting prowess that those two uh, centres of excellence really are able to yeah, produce Yeah exactly and I suppose a lot of it comes down as well obviously the girls and, and, and the talent of the players but to the teaching staff as well and um, you know tur- presentation Turles would have Keen Tracy there from Turles Arthurs and Caught Devan doesn't need any introduction um, both teachers there that put in huge work into the camogie and coaching the teams and then Olivia Hogan from Kiladangan I suppose probably one of the most successful uh, school camogie managers around now she's won a huge amount of, with uh, with Ursuline and um, you know she's seen a lot of players I suppose pass through the schools and, and win uh, titles Just before I let you go and we wish both schools the best of luck in next weekend's final uh, Dennis Kelly's senior team will take on either Limerick or Waterford in the Munster semi-final on the May 4th in Walsh Park possibly Uh, a chance perhaps for early revenge after that All-Ireland semi-final defeat if we do face Waterford Yeah that's right Um, I suppose it's the time of year now the fixtures are coming out and being ratified and we're looking ahead to the year ahead and uh, Limerick and Waterford will meet in the preliminary round of that Munster championship and then uh, the winners will play Tipperary. So, look, Waterford would be favourites to get over Limerick. And then, you know, like you said, a chance for revenge for, for Tips. They are the Munster champions. They will want to hold on to that. Um, but, you know, I suppose there'll still be disappointment having lost to Waterford last year in the All-Ireland semi-final. And what they don't want, I suppose, is like Waterford kind of leapfrogging Tip now and becoming a top-four team and, and, and us falling down. You know, we want to get back in there and... Kind of ahead of the pack of the chasing pack, and you know that would be a great clash. We'd have to go to Waterford as well, so Waterford have a home crowd there. But um, look, it's fantastic once again. I think this is the third year the Munster Championship is having double headers with the Munster GA, and there's really some Mount Warren clashes there again. You know, it's something to look forward to as matches are coming up on our radar at this time of the year. Gerald, thanks for everything. Talk soon. Thanks, Ronan.
Yes, Jared Dean Canan speaking to me just before we came on air this evening. And uh, since we've been on air, actually, in a story that has come to my attention, uh, Donegal football manager Jim McGuinness has been handed a per- eight week ban for fielding an illegible player in the McGenna- McKenna Cup win over Armagh. Finbar Rorty was 17 at the time of last Wednesday's game with the Orchard County and he was deemed to be underage for the game. He um, is understood to have turned 18 on Thursday, which is the day after the game took place. But the rules state that all senior inter-county players must be 18 or over at the start of the calendar year. Uh, Donegal will also lose the points from the victory but those points will not be transferred to Armagh Donegal GA were informed of the outcome today and will decide their next course of action with their management committee due to meet tonight but it's been a number of years now I think it has that rule has been in place that you cannot play senior inter-county unless you're 18 years or over and what's news to me I think is that you must be 18 at the start of the calendar year it's kind of interesting that that young man in question turned 18 the day after the match but I would imagine they would have known that before they fielded them or so you would have thought. Anyway our text number is 083-311-3311 on WhatsApp one texter says hi Ronan uh, just listening to Ken on the show about the hand pass in hurling as a hurling referee myself it's nearly impossible now to catch every single illegal hand pass the big problem is the game has gone so physical and fast there's probably at least 15 illegal hand passes per game but then if the ref blows for those illegal hand passes he's going to be accused of killing the game you simply can't win I could not agree with you more texter but what I will disagree with you is when you say there's probably at least 15 illegal hand passes per game I would suggest that that is a massive underestimate. I would say there is a lot more than 15 illegal hand passes per game. But you probably, as a referee, notice at least 15 illegal hand passes per game that you could consider blowing for, but you know that you will be vilified if you were to give 15 frees for illegal hand passes. The only answer to this is to change the rule. And I've thought about this a long time, spoken to Conor O'Donovan about it. The only way you can make it fair for players and perhaps more importantly for the officials who are charged with the responsibility of enforcing this rule is to change the rule and make it crystal clear as to what is a legal hand pass and what is an illegal hand pass. We had some discussion earlier about, you know, which myself and Ken perhaps jokingly back and forth on which was the better time the, the days when Ken was playing or, or the modern game of hurling Ken much bigger fan of the modern game perhaps than I but uh, one texter says Killarney in 87 Thurless in 91 the greatest days ever in my opinion and uh, it's hard pressed to to better those days from uh, from an excitement point of view but if you were cold and analytical about it was the quality of hurling that we had on display on those days better than what we see today I would say that 14 the match, the drawn final in 14 was probably the most skillful game of hurling that I've seen. But if you'd speak to defenders, because there were so many scores in that match, maybe a defender might say that the quality of defending shown by both teams wasn't of the calibre that would be expected at the inter-county level. That's the great thing about these things. Everyone has their opinion and there's lots of debate. Speaking of debate and opinion, Barry Ryan's on the line. How are you, Barry? How are you, Ronan? Do you know, I've just noticed, and you're too far, far too young to remember, but Franz Beckenbauer has died aged 78, one of the greats of world football, managed uh, Germany as well, I think, to World Cup success in Italia 90, but was probably the best sweeper I've ever seen play the game. 
Yeah, and, and and started off as a midfield player and went back into the backline then to play as a sweeper. So probably the start of that idea of a modern centre-back that could carry the ball out, a kind of midfielder converted into a centre-back. Um, and one of only three men ever to win the World Cup as a player and as a manager. Yeah, and that now when you see every team tends to have a formation that's pretty much identical. Back in the day, and I had this come back to my discussion with Ken Hogan earlier, but back in the day... Uh, different teams of different formations which made it a much better tactical battle but everyone seems to play 4-3-3 now or some variation on that the concept of having a sweeper is completely uh, from another era and I don't think any modern football manager would ever think about deploying a sweeper yeah, look, it's one of those. It's the great debate. Um, it's kind of like, you know, it's a bit like in Ireland now with the possession-based game. Is there actually an opportunity now for someone to go back to, like, you know, in terms of instead of trying to play through the lines, actually play over the lines? You know, is it time for someone to, you know, reinvent it a little bit? And soccer, the same. You know, is there a role now for... They prefer to call the sweeper the covering defender now because we frowned upon to play a sweeper. But, you know, are we all in danger? Like, the FBI have a directive now to all international and underage teams and stuff to play 4-3-3. Rude Doctor brought that in and... Again, I don't know where I stand on that. I, I'm not sure it's the way to go. Learning the game underage, 4-3-3 is probably good in terms of understanding positions, but um, I don't think you can... You, you have to play what you have as well. Uh, that's interesting to me that there's a diktat has come down that everyone must play with the same formation. I think that lacks, or that takes from the creativity that you're looking to install in young players. Yeah, Root Doctor, now he's gone now, he is, yeah. but he brought he brought that in, and the idea behind it was that all the teams, we'll say all the Irish teams from under 13, 14, all the way up would play the same way, and then you'd progress from the 14s to the 16s to the 17s to 19s to senior, understanding that we're all playing the same way. Uh, the Ajax model um, was originally built on that, but again, it wouldn't be for me. But you wonder how a Liam Brady can come, uh, somebody who's has a swashbuckle who doesn't particularly fit a certain role who kind of you know sits as a, an attacking midfielder but doesn't necessarily have a holding midfielder role I don't know where, where yeah did where we see a bit Brady of that with Wes Hulan yeah. you know in later years where there's no room for the Maverick because you know you're a bit like playing in different you know it's like that fixed position you don't fit a certain and we're, that, that's a dangerous precedent if we're going to lose those type of players yeah, round square pegs don't fit in round holes. So if you are a square peg, there has to be room for you too. Is Absolutely. what I'm trying to say. God, I'm just very surprised that that has come down that everyone must play four three three. So that I understand the concept that there's continuities that when p- players mm. move from fourteen to sixteen to eighteen, they're playing in the, sa- the same system. But it means that if you're a fullback at fourteen, it's going to be very hard for you to ever become anything other than a fullback because you're always going to be playing in the same system. Absolutely, yeah, and that and that's exactly what what the issue with it is. Look, hopefully, maybe that's that's why he lost his job. <laughs> maybe okay. they they realise what we're talking about here now. Yeah, okay, God, that's all very interesting. Let's talk about matters on the field. Uh, Munster Junior Cup action, and I will talk about the draw as well tonight. But uh, Peak Villa had far too much for Killer Villa in the fifth round. Yeah, and look, again, I mentioned it a couple of times. It's really impressive how they just go about their business. Um, they actually went one nil down in that game early on, surprisingly. But, um, it's you know, there's no sort of margin for error. It's literally like six, seven, eight goals all the time. Um, really ruthless size um, in terms of scoring goals and really, really fit attacking side. They come at you for 94, 95 minutes. And, you know, you can go and win a game like that, 3-1, 2-1, 3-1 or whatever, and just about do your business and maybe get dragged down a little bit to the standard of the game. But, no, really impressive. Um, and to win it in such ruthless fashion and Pippi Carroll I think got four goals uh, you know so he's just continued what he's doing Yeah you just wondered that Killa Villa poked the bear a little bit by scoring first 
Probably did. Um, I'm certainly woke Big Villa up. Um, you know, by scoring first as well, like that. Maybe yeah. I wasn't the best tactic. Yeah. Well, now the draw for the quarter final or the semi the quarterfinals. My apologies. Quarterfinals have been made. So Peak Villa have a home tie, but they've got Villa of Waterford, and that is a repeat fixture of what we saw in that Champions League for, Champions Cup final. Yeah, and it's, it's what's interesting, I suppose, is Villa of Waterford now have been well-worn. They were blessed to get out of Turles that day. Um, you know, so they'll probably look at it in a positive that way. They know what they're facing into now. Um, Peak Villa's goalkeeper, Willie Tierney, who's been absolutely... Yeah, we, so we talk so much about Peak Villa scoring goals and, and Pippi Carroll and Ronan and Key Cal and all the stars going forward and me all winning. But Willie Tierney has been absolutely immense, outstanding um, for the last five or six years in the Peak Villa goals. And he will go to Australia, actually travels the day of the game so that's going to be such a loss for them in the coming year. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. Uh, it, that's a very interesting tie, particularly as how interesting that match was in the Tower Field only a couple of weeks ago. Um, St. Michael's have been drawn at home to Clamwell Celtic. Celtic will look at that draw and think, well, if it was on the bypass, we'd probably give ourselves a shout. It's going to be hard to go to Cook Park in a quarterfinal of a cup game with St. Michael's just being so, so... They have so much DNA... Yeah. Invested in cup quarterfinals, they just—it's—it's it's something they know how to win. Yeah, I can't, offhand, I can't. The last time St. Michael's lost a quarterfinal or a last sixteen tie was at North End um, in the FBI Junior Cup, um, and and North End stole it with a couple of goals laid on. It was kind of a bit of a kamikaze finish to the game. It's very rare you can remember them losing um, a quarterfinal or a last sixteen. They don't lose too many of those. Um, and the fact that that home and the prize for the semi final is a home draw to Avenue, um, so it's two home games to reach a Munster Junior Cup final. Their eyes will certainly be on that prize. Yeah, um, Avenue will play Toher. You're obviously assuming that Avenue will beat them. Yeah, look, Avenue are a good side, knocked out Newmarket. Uh, oh, have yeah, Pike, yeah. Pike Rovers, Captain Stephen McGann from last year down playing with Avenue as well. Um, they're a really, really good side. They were, they've been knocking on the door the last couple of years as well. Um, so, look, I would expect them to come through Toker. And, and, you know, but even Villa Watford beat um, Regional from Limerick 4-0 at the weekend in the previous round, which was a real statement because Regional had been with the, one of the outstanding teams in Limerick. There's no Limerick team in the quarterfinal of the Munster uh, Junior Cup. I'd say that's the first time in 20 years. I was looking at the draw today when it was sent on to me and somebody WhatsApped it to me and I was kind of wondering where where's the Limerick side. But anyway, that speaks volumes perhaps of how things are a bit more evenly distributed than they were in previous years. Just before I go, really sad story, I suppose, if you, I don't know how you describe the story from rear across. The only thing you can say about that is thanks be to God somebody wasn't really, really seriously injured. A fellow going playing football for Air Cross and he comes and he ends up in hospital with a gunshot wound. Uh, it's a guard of matter now and it's not something that we're going to shed any more light on. But we just wish him well. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it was great to see the player in question kind of put up a picture on social media and kind of, I suppose, poke fun at himself almost. Um, because it was great to see that he'd come through it okay. Um, you know, and I suppose what a story to have. Lots of lads have been accused of going down like they were shot down through the years, but not that that actually happened. And look, it was great to see him be able to make light of it. Um, but yeah, certainly an incredible story. Um, and look, great that he's come out of it okay and how easily it could, you know, could have went the other way. Oh, but, um, there, but for the grace of God, like he he could have been in a lot more difficulty than he was but uh, quite extraordinary we just hope the guards get to the bottom of it because uh, fellas should be able to go out and play football against Belly Mackey and not uh, not end up in hospital as a result Absolutely. Anyway, let's talk about the credit, Clamwell Credit Union Tipperary Cup we did talk about Clamwell Town against Old Bridge as a banana skin with a capital B last week but Town managed to navigate a way through it 
Yeah, and look, Wolves played their part in this game as well. Um, you know, it's a centre-back partnership of Juicy Fatty and Connie Power, two lads that have been around so long. Um, you know, it was almost like a legend game with Ian Cleary for Clamell Town and Paul Shanahan. Um, but, like, it was a really, really tough it was a draw game heading in towards injury time. But Ian Cleary deserves special mention. I won a league title with Ian Cleary in 2011 with Clamell Town, and he'd come back. He'd previously been in Carrick, where he won an FEI Junior Cup and a Munster Junior Cup and a Munster Senior Cup. He's, like, it's funny, we talk about all the great players in TFL, the Paul Breen's great for Higgins, the Adrian Walsh's, Chalky Walsh's, the Alan Lahey's, and you know, you could go on and on and on. Yeah. But Ian Cleary, a buff as he's known to most people in, the, in junior soccer circles, is a class act. And Absolutely. his career has proved that. And to come up with two headers, probably the smallest man on the pitch, but as Maurice Walsh said to me, you know, it's timing and it's movement. And I just, you know, he's a player probably, we just don't talk about enough as a sport, but like he won't thank me for mentioning his age, but he's not in his thirties anymore. Um, One thing I always felt about up. Ian Cleary when I saw him play was he always seemed to get substituted first, which must have been a massive source of frustration for him because I always felt he never got the, the rub of the green sometimes. Because you mentioned his his accolades in sport when he was with Carrick and what he's won, and he won everything. He won two league titles with Town. Uh, very very good footballer, clever footballer. Oh, clever is the word for him. And he was a brilliant teammate as well. And he's really, really shrewd football man. And that's why, you know, he can still do it at this age and be the difference maker in the game. But he's the kind of fella where often you, you're nail on the head there. He doesn't always get the accolades. But he's the guy in the dressing room that players always love. And that as a teammate, you always love him and go, you know, what a player. He's more appreciated by teammates probably than maybe people in the greater circle. But uh, what a player. And look, fitting that he had final say in the game. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just looking at other headlines going down through the um, to the results from the first round of the cup. V Rovers are out and probably would have fancied a bit of a cup run. They lost to Cullinan. Yeah, again, if you are so up and down at the moment, sometimes when you see a Premier Division side come down, um, you know, they almost play like a Premier Division side in the first division and they're very, like Cashel and they're very, very strong and they're, you realise they're a bit too dominant for that division. But if you're going to like Kinko with maybe not even getting promotion, um, you know, so that's probably something. Look, maybe they've gone out of the cup, they'll focus more in the league now, but they need to put a little run together to get themselves into that contention um, for promotion in the coming weeks. Premier League, Tipperary Town are out. Beaten yeah, comfortably it, as well. Yeah, that was probably the biggest shock of the round. But the only thing I'd say about Tipperary Town, and I know they're probably struggling a little bit with numbers at the moment and bits and pieces, but the biggest thing uh, Tipperary Town have going for them is Mark O'Brien, who's a top, top manager. He's been around the game so long. And I probably mentioned last week that Tip Town might be under pressure relegation-wise, but that's only if Bancha can put a run together. Like, Mark O'Brien and Tip Town will navigate getting another few points on the board. So, if Bancha do their usual great escape in the second half of the season, then Tip Town will be under pressure. But I think Tip Town will make them go a bit because I think they leak out another three or four points. Yeah, um, Care Park keep winning, which is good for them. They're third in the league. Uh, lots of games in hand to be worked out and unravelled, but they're still putting a... Might put a put a cup run together you talked about the signings they had last year or during the, the off season which has certainly strengthened them but they're consistent that's the thing I suppose the point I'm making yeah I'm looking forward to Care Park this weekend against Peak Villa because Care Park, the first phase of their development is getting in guys like Christopher Higgins and so on. Uh, Pat Quinn is there as well. A lot of experience. Stephen Quinn is there now as well. And, you know, and they, that's kind of galvanised them in a good dressing room and an organised dressing room. But all of a sudden now, you wonder, are the legs there to go up against Peak Villa? Is that phase two in care to bring through the younger players with these experienced pros? Because a game against Peak Villa is a totally different test. And I wonder how they'll fare out in Turles on Saturday 
on Sunday. I think they'll find it very, very difficult. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting and it'll be, it'll be interesting for us to talk about it next week. Barry, as always, thanks for your time tonight. We look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks very much, Ronan. Not at all. Uh, Barry Ryan joining us there and that's pretty much all. We've time for one interesting text came in actually uh, just before we go off air. Somebody says, if you're not a good hurler at 14, 15 years of age in tip, you're out of the system. A lot of hurlers only come good at 18. I'm not so sure I'd agree with that. Lark Corbett, I don't think, played minor for tip and became one of our greatest modern day players. So sometimes fellas can be unearthed as they uh, mature into more senior years. That's all we've time for. Ian O'Connor produced. We'll be back to you next Monday night. Till then, good night and good luck. Online. On your smartphone. On your smart speaker. Play Tip FM. And on FM across Tipperary. This, this. is Tip FM News. Tip FM.